When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise in Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and let's get to the most recent news about a murder out of Oklahoma that happened back in the first week of January, but interest in the case has reignited with the release of police body cam footage last week. Okay, on the night of January 5th, just before midnight, April Lida was asleep in her two-story apartment in Tulsa when she was startled awake by her 12-year-old daughter, who I'm going to call M. Now, M was telling her mother that she had just stabbed her brother. April called the police and reported an altercation between M and her nine-year-old brother, Xander. When EMTs and police arrive, two things happen. M is immediately placed in handcuffs and removed from the apartment, and EMTs attempt life-saving measures on Xander. And it's here where the police body cam footage picks up. The footage was obtained and released by Law and & Crime, and let me clear up a few things about the footage. When you hear moments being bleeped during the audio, it's for a couple of different reasons. When April the mother is bleeped, it's because she's using M's full name, and police have yet to release her name. And when M is being bleeped, it's because on this podcast, we are going to remove the F word from the audio. And M repeatedly uses the F word during the 25 minute video of her being placed into custody. Okay, here, let's just listen to the tense first moments of that footage. Island, I'm so sorry. I'm so come here, sorry. come here. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're just gonna put handcuffs on just for now. Where's the knife? I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. I don't know what chest. I'm so sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. Please. I'm so sorry. Julie, you better pretty God. Look at my hands. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. How old are you? I'm 12 years old. Where's the knife? Right here. You threw it where? I threw it out my window upstairs. Right not up not right there. It's the room. It's the other room. It's right behind the apartment. This apartment right here. So where would the knife be on that side? Behind, right behind. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry, Mama. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. It's something not make shit. I'm so head? sorry. What's your mom's name? <laughs> What's your mom's name? Now, if you couldn't quite understand April, there, she says to M, "You better pray to God he lives." And if you can't quite hear M, she says, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. That's some demonic shit. 
And as the footage continues, Emma apologizes repeatedly for stabbing her brother three times with a kitchen knife. Once she's in handcuffs and she's secure, she then leads an officer to a murder weapon. She tells the officer she threw the knife out of the second story window of the apartment. And Xander is rushed to the hospital and he later dies that morning while in surgery. Now, later in the 25-minute video, Emma's asked if she has any cuts from using the knife during the altercation, and the police remove her hoodie and discover that she has old wounds from self-harm, as well as possibly a fresher cut on one of her arms. Then later in the video, Em asks if the cuffs are necessary, saying she's a good child. All right, now, during the entire video she doesn't really offer any motive for why she stabbed her brother. She does seem aware in the video that she has drastically altered the course of her life, saying she is going to jail forever. She also says over and over again that she doesn't know what happened. And she's never really combative with police during the video. She's actually quite polite to the police. And she does go from crying to explaining or answering questions without tears. But I'm going to tell you, this isn't that alarming to me. I believe she's fully aware of what she has done to her brother. And she's a 12-year-old girl navigating a situation brought on by her poor choices. And I don't think she's just really sure how to do that. Well, following the release of the body cam footage, April went on News Nation with Chris Cuomo. And she tried to explain what she thinks happened that night. April said prior to the night of the attack that M had begun spending hours alone in her room and that that behavior wasn't really normal for her. April said that she just chalked it up to normal teenage behavior, especially for a girl. So in her words, she said the following, she was 12, her menstrual cycle and everything. It was normal for me because I went through that and I did not want to be bothered by people and would spend hours in my room. April then went on to say she wasn't aware of Em's thoughts, but that a couple of her friends were. And April said they found out after the stabbing that Em had told friends she wasn't feeling right, but that those friends just didn't alert anyone. Now, during the interview, April went into greater detail about the ADHD medication that Em was taking on and off during her childhood. Em had begun cutting her arms while she was taking a specific dose of her ADHD medication. Now, April had made a decision after speaking to authorities at M's school and also talking to the doctor to have M stop taking the medication. And April said the following about M. Here's her words. She felt that she was really irritated, irritable, angry for no reason on the medication. So of course I took her off of it. Unfortunately, it was too late. The damage was done. Stuff like this can happen months or even years after being off a medication like this. Now, a GoFundMe has been started for April, and in the description of that webpage, it says the following. April's daughter was a well-behaved child with no prior history of behavioral problems. Her son, Xander, was the sweetest boy who had the biggest smile. He loved to ride his bike, play Fortnite, hang out with his best friend, or just run errands with mom. He loved spending time with his dad and grandma, going on trips with his family, and his favorite places were Sky Zone, Incredible Pizza, and the Children's Museum. His favorite foods were cheese pizza, tacos, and chocolate ice cream. He was an amazing son who would always do what he was told without hesitation. He wanted to make his mom proud. He loved his sister and brother very much, and he will be missed every single day. 
Now, under Oklahoma law, children 12 and younger are prohibited from being held in custody, but they make exceptions in cases of egregious felony equivalent allegations. So this seems to be the case with M. She's been in custody of the Family Center for Juvenile Justice since the murder in January. And April says her daughter is receiving treatment every day. She also said M feels guilty and still does not know why she attacked her brother. Now, police have yet to file charges against M in the murder of Xander, but April did tell News Nation she does expect some charges to be filed. And as a side note in this case, in Oklahoma, you have to be 13 years old or older to be considered an adult. So whatever charges M faces, she will be handled as a juvenile. So I'll keep a watch on this case and let you know if charges are filed. And you can find the entire 25-minute video of the incident on YouTube, and I'll link that video in the show notes. All right, now on to the update in the case of the family feud contestant, Timothy Beliefnik, who is facing trial for the shooting death of his 41-year-old wife, Becky, on February 23rd of this year. All right, do you guys remember this guy? He's the one when asked on Family Feud, what's the biggest mistake you made at your wedding? Well, he offered this cringeworthy response. And here, let's just give it a listen. What's the biggest mistake you made at your wedding? Honey, I love you, but said I do. (laughs) Not my mistake. I love my wife. I'm going to get in trouble for that, aren't I? Well, it's been a few weeks since I first played that audio for you, and it hasn't gotten any less cringeworthy in that time. So here's a refresher to the case. Becky, a mother of three, was gunned down in her Quincy, Illinois home. Her body shot multiple times. She was discovered by a family member after she failed to pick up her boys from school in the afternoon. Now, Timothy and Becky were estranged, and divorce proceedings had been started at the time of her death. Becky was living in the family home, and Timothy had established a residence about a mile away. Now, almost two weeks after the murder, Timothy was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of home invasion. All right, last week, a jury found Timothy guilty on Wednesday of first-degree murder. The trial revealed details we'd yet to hear, some of them being that Timothy broke through a second-story window with a crowbar and he shot Becky 14 times using a homemade silencer. He left her bullet-riddled body on the floor of her bathroom to be discovered by her father. Now, the timing of the killing coincided with a hearing that was to be held that very week in the couple's contentious divorce proceedings. And Becky, well, she had already filed an order of protection back in 2021. But in this hearing, she was trying to work through the divorce and the custody of her three boys. Now, back in March, during a search of Timothy's home, police had found more than two dozen shell casings in his basement. And state forensic experts testified that those shell casings in his basement were fired from the same gun as eight casings that were recovered from the grisly murder scene. Now, also in March, before his arrest, Timothy had attended Becky's wake, but he left the funeral early. And pictures from later that day show Timothy wearing a t-shirt and sweatpants while hanging out on his porch when relatives returned from the burial of Becky. Now, during the trial, it was also revealed that Timothy had searched Google for information on how to commit murder. These searches also included how to break into a home with a crowbar, as well as what were local police response times. 
Now, Becky's sister testified that her sister had previously told her she was worried her estranged husband might physically harm her. In a text in 2021, Becky had written that if something ever happens to her, that Sarah needed to make sure the number one person of interest was Timothy. Now, after the verdict was read, the family released the following statement. While life cannot be normal in the ways it once was, such love and support does help restore the belief that the world does, in fact, have more good than evil. As they go forward with the certain truth that their father murdered their mother, we ask that you keep Becky's three incredible boys in your prayers. We will move forward by leaning on each other and our faith for healing. We will speak often of Becky warmly and remembering the way she lived and loved, not the way she died. She will be missed forever and loved always. So a little bit about Becky. She was a cum laude graduate of Quincy University where she met Timothy who played football there. Becky had a successful career in the pharmaceutical industry before becoming a registered nurse. She was nominated for the International Daisy Award in 2020. Okay, that award honors exceptional care nurses provide. She was also a certified trauma nurse, a sexual assault nurse examiner, and during the peak of COVID-19, she worked as a traveling nurse. Now, the jury took just four hours to deliver the guilty verdicts, and Timothy will be sentenced on August 11th with a maximum penalty of life in prison as a possibility. And because we so often see trials and the justice system in general move oh so very slowly, we need to give credit where credit is due. This murder happened in February, and the family received justice for Becky by June. And I think it's also important in this case to emphasize reaching out to those who might be in Becky's situation. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. You can also go to thehotline.org. All calls are free and confidential. All right, let's take a look at a murder of a young couple out of Canada. Last week, police were called to a quiet residential area in Hamilton, Ontario. That's about 42 miles from Toronto. When police arrived, they found 27-year-old Carissa McDonald and 28-year-old Aaron Stone had been shot in the front yard of the residence they were renting from 57-year-old Terry Barossa. Now, Barossa lived in the residence, and Carissa and Aaron, they were renting the basement apartment. Now, Barossa had barricaded himself in his home by the time that police arrived at the scene of the murders, but neighbors reported that Barossa had shot the two while they were leaving the home, and police spent several hours on the phone with Barossa trying to negotiate a peaceful surrender. They had learned that Barossa had several weapons registered to him, and they assumed those weapons were at his disposal. Now, Barossa, he eventually initiated gunfire between himself and officers, specifically the he shot the armored vehicle that was parked outside of the home. Now, reports vary on when the gunfire was returned by police. It might have been within minutes or possibly even hours later. But it has been confirmed that Barossa began firing again, and one officer fired on Barossa, killing the suspect. So what caused Barossa to kill the young couple? Police are saying that it was a dispute over the issues within the home, possibly black mold being present in the home. And CBC News confirmed that Carissa and Aaron had reported black mold to Barossa weeks earlier. 
Police were also very clear in distinguishing that the dispute was not over failure to pay rent. Now, I'm American, and I'm just really not clear on the rent disputes in Ontario, but after a brief search and reviewing some Twitter replies, it seems like rent raises and rent payments are causing multiple disputes in Ontario. But family members of Carissa and Aaron have confirmed to the Canadian press that the two were just days away from moving out of the basement that they had rented for a significant time, and they were going to move to a new home. Now, family also confirmed that Carissa worked for the Brant County Catholic School System and that Aaron was an electrician. They also said the two were set to be married this summer. Now, Hamilton police have called the incident an unnecessary act of violence, and they said on behalf of the families that Aaron and Carissa took pride in their home, and they always paid their bills on time. Now, CBC News has interviewed neighbors of Barossa and one specific neighbor, Tony Greenlee. Well, he said that Barossa was, in his words, bad news. He said Barossa would stand on his roof watching their home and that the harassment by Barossa led Tony to build a carport in order to block Barossa's view of their home. Now, Tony's wife, Joanne, said that she was at home during the shooting and that she laid on the floor of her home for safety while gunfire was erupting outside. Okay, Canada, they have a landlord and tenant board that oversees disputes between renters and landlords. And CBC confirmed that there had been no complaints filed on that specific property in the last two years. And the city's bylaw division had also not received complaints about that address. Well, Detective Sergeant Steve Beruzik has stated that this situation was a perfect storm and that Hamilton police could not predict how this would turn out. Well, the Catholic School Board immediately expressed that Chris's death was an incredible loss for the board and that their prayers are with the families who are impacted by the tragic situation. Well, that's your Monday edition of Rise in Crime. If you're loving this content, please rate the podcast five stars. And you can also follow Rise in Crime on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Remember, it's Rise in Crime. Just an N between the words Rise in Crime. Join me again on Thursday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules, and keep safe out there. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy Paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save